Hey folks, welcome to episode 87 of Biomast. So uh, we're going to have a pretty crisp show to, for you tonight. Uh, we've got a, a kind of a, a buffet of topics, but it's it's a pretty good pretty good wide wide swath of things we're going to talk about tonight. So we've got a little bit of uh, fire prevention and fire safety uh, discussion that Zell's going to lead us through in a little bit, which should be pretty entertaining. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit about the uh, Oculus Rift pricing and sort of some of the general kind of feel as the actual hardware is starting to hit the streets nowadays, including, I think, the Oculus Touch as well. Uh, Pokey's got some hands-on discussion about uh, the EVE gun jack and I think the little, uh, you know, mobile smartphone VR. Uh, he's got his... He's got some pretty interesting uh, kind of just, you know, topics about that. He actually got his hands or his eyes on it, rather, you know, so to speak. Uh, we will talk a little bit about World of Tanks tonight. Uh, we did play. We have been playing the uh, PS4 beta number two, uh, and the full release is imminent. Uh, so some pretty cool observations. We've been playing a lot of that this weekend, and it's. I think that will come to a close in a couple hours tonight, and then it'll probably be a few weeks before the game goes live again on on the uh, PlayStation servers. Um, and we have a couple other kind of topics in the bag that we may get to depending on, on time uh, that we, you know, we either will hit them tonight or maybe we save them for a later show. But uh, we've got a couple in our pocket that we're kind of holding on to. So uh, kind of to get the, the show on the road without further ado, what we'd like to do is go ahead and knock out some basic introductions, folks. Uh, no, no surprises. We have kind of our normal rogues gallery on tonight. tonight uh, and we're going to lead out with the person you'd normally do, the guy at the top of the mumble list. So, Jake, tell everybody who you are. I am the administrator. I am admin. That's Um, right. You start with an A, so you're at the top of the list, so therefore you get to go first. Um, That was my introduction. No, I'm I'm Saray Azel. I'm a co-host here on the show, an editor on the blog. Um, Sometimes I play Rocket League now, um, sometimes Heroes of the Storm. And um, I used to be on the CPM for this this really really in, small insignificant game. I don't know if anybody's heard of it. It's called Dust Five One Four. Well said, Mr. Bait. Hey everybody, what's up? My name is Awa Bait. I'm a member of the Incorruptibles in Dust Five One Four and the same corporation need Eve Online, and I play Xbox occasionally. Yeah, whatever. Yeah, you're a good guy right up to that. Um, <laughs> okay, uh, Mr. Minaheim. Hi, uh, Jedek Minaheim, um, a.k.a. Neckbeard Nixon. I am a manager of uh, Dust Trello Trade and a member of Incorruptibles. Excellent. And Pokey. I'm Pokey Traven from OSG Planetary Operations. I write for the blog, co-host here on the podcast, and also the chief media director for the Eve Phoenix Project. Good deal. And I'm Jason Larison. Uh, really said that's my gaming nom de guerre. And uh, I am also one of the purveyors of the biomass.com web- website. And again, as I've mentioned many times, I do literally no work on it. It is all pokey and zell and, uh, and bait in terms of uh, the actual work and the con- like the content comes from all three and then a few other folks. And but the actual work on the website is, is pretty much pokey and zell and they do an absolutely awesome job. So I highly, highly recommend you guys go out and check out biomass.com and watch the digital sweat and blood that they put into that. Um, Other than that, I am, uh, I'm kind of your normal gamer type dude. Uh, I have played quite a bit of EVE Online in back in the day. So a little bit of Dust514 and and I'm, I'm definitely starting to morph into, you know, and, and kind of the normal destiny 
you know, Call of Duty type stuff, but I'm definitely morphing into a, a fairly addicted World of Tanks player right now for the consoles, specifically specifically the PS4. Uh, other than that, I'm just a general, ordinary, average dude. So now that we've got our intros out of the way, we have to go to the news desk. And uh, breaking news, there has been a four-alarm fire in the, the outskirts of Chicago at the home of 1H Sarai Zell. So please, Zell, explain to us your dramatic rescue from environmental danger there in your own yeah. little studio apartment. Okay. So it's, it's, I have two bedrooms, gosh darn it. Studio, that, that, that's, just, that's just insulting, man. Um, but so uh, what, what the case was, was this is actually, um, it was Monday night, um, and I'd actually already like closed everything up Checked out, fed the pets, everything like that, turned off all the lights, um, and gone back to my bedroom. I was getting ready to go to bed. I checked my phone. Um, literally, there was, like, an advertise one of those, like, you get them every other day from Amazon with some books and some deals. And um, to showcase my true true level of nerddom, it, there was, like, a Star Trek reference book that I wanted. Um, and I don't have Amazon signed in on my phone. I don't really like purchasing things on my phone. So I'm like you know what, I'm going to get up, I'm going to go out and purchase this, and I'm going to go to bed. And I came I came back out to, to my living room, and uh, one of my computers was, um, no joke, on fire. Um, so I could see, like, probably I would say four or five inch flames coming off of um, the one of the boards inside. And um, so I grabbed, uh, I don't, I don't, my fire extinguisher is actually buried in a closet that's covered with stuff. I can't get to it, but um, uh, my local fire department had recommended um, it's actually like a spray can fire extinguisher. It's um, mine's from like Tundra brand or something. Um, and so I, I just had one of those under my sink um, and I grabbed that. I ran over there and I pulled the power cord out and the fire actually stopped. I didn't actually need to, to uh, extinguish it. So um, it hadn't caught any of the dust on fire, um, but uh, it was kind of terrifying I wouldn't like. I don't have a smoke detector out here, so um, the the smoke detector that I have is all the way back by my room. So there's a good chance that had I not decided to buy this book on Amazon, um, that uh, at the very least my pets would be dead before I found out um, that my house was going to be on fire. So um, I'm super grateful of this random random book that I bought. Um, it's the best purchase I ever made, right there. Did you put that in the product review? Um, this book saved my life first. <laughs> I, I haven't le- I haven't left an Amazon review yet, but I did tweet the author that night and told him that uh, my interest in his book saved my life. And he, he, <laughs> he, he retweeted that, and um, he's just like, okay, my job here is done. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so it was, it was, it was pretty freaky. Um, I actually think the computer itself, and here's the funniest part of this whole thing, I think the computer might be okay. Um <laughs> <laughs> there's a USB three board that's totally toast. Um, there's there's a USB three adapter in the back and the power connector for that where it actually um, melted through and and lit, um, and some various power supply cables and stuff like that. Um, the cables to one of my fans was definitely a victim. Um, I'm gonna write off the power supply by default because I had an electrical fire in the computer. But the motherboard looks okay, and I plugged my hard drive into another computer, and actually all the files are fine. Um, so the theory is that I can actually resurrect this computer, and if I can, that's even better, because then I, th- that computer will have survived a fire. Um, so, yeah, it's, um, it's one of those things where I'd been, I'd always kind of assumed myself to be kind of overly neurotic about stuff like that. Um, I 
some of the fire safety stuff, I think, you know, I might be getting neurotic. I'm a little worried about where dust, you know, is close to outlets and stuff like that. I no longer feel like any of my uh, my um, neurotic concern was unwarranted. Um, and I bought another smoke detector. That sounds like a pretty full full day. When was this? This was actually Monday night at like 1 oh, in the morning. Okay. Um, yeah, I'd, I'd literally gone to bed, got up briefly, and I'm like, what is that? I, I heard a noise from where my computer desk was, and I thought that was really strange. Um, it sounded almost like what I would expect to hear if one of um, the pets had gotten loose and was shuffling around. Um, so I was actually, I, I went, went over there because I thought maybe a cage had gotten left open, and um, I saw flames. Well, that must have been a heart-rending heart ex- incident that we're all glad that you survived. Uh, by the way, I've got some insurance I'd like to talk to you about afterwards. <laughs> <laughs> so, well, it, in, in all fairness, though, that, that's actually kind of, it's good that you made it out, but I can just, I, I have this total image of you, like, running down the, you know, out of your building, you know, like, smoke and shit fall on you, like, you know, stuff's on fire behind you, and there's, like, Yeah, no, not that bad, rabbit- like ferrets or minks or whatever those things you have like embedded onto your body, like squealing as you, you run to a fireman or something. Yeah, no, it, it hadn't, thankfully it hadn't left the computer case at the, you know, when I caught it, I honestly, I think it had just like, I think I heard it flare up as I was walking out to it. And I, I you know, it was, it was a pretty big flame. I'm really, if I, if it had been five minutes later, um, it might've been a very different story. Um, you know, I keep, I keep pet carriers on t- for each pet on top of their, their cages so that, and I can really just grab them and throw them in there and run. But you know, <laughs> uh, that's pretty. That's pretty. That's pretty good, actually. Um, okay, so let's see. A um, couple things. Uh, n- by the way, anything else on this one? That that was actually a pretty humorous story. By the way, any, any other save shots on this one? Nope. Okay. Um, Pokey, we're going to transition over and we're going to talk about the infamous Eve Gun Jack. Uh, and by we, I mean you'll you'll start off the discussion, and we'll chime in and nod knowingly, as though we can understand what what we're describing here. I know it. I know it. That's, I've played it. Everybody other than Zell hasn't actually seen it, and uh, and I think Zell, you said you 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 saw kind of like a demo or a prototype version. Well, yeah, Is that right? I, I, when I played it, it was Project Nemesis. So yeah, okay. it's um I you know I'm I'm assuming there's more content and levels and stuff like that. I think the the total extent of when I played it was like a three minute playable thing, and that was it. Okay. Well, uh, well, we're gonna dive into that a little bit. So, Pokey, you mind taking it away and give us a, a quick take on what you what you saw with Eve Gun Jack, and and maybe more importantly, kind of the the mobile VR hardware. Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, for Christmas, I got my brother a Samsung Gear VR, and he just recently upgraded his phone to a phone that was compatible with it. So, last night we both tried out Gun Jack, and uh, I have to say it was very interesting. Um, in terms of gameplay, it's nothing extraordinary. It's your typical, you know, turret simulator. It's it's nothing new. Those ships fly across the screen, and you shoot them and try not to get blown up yourself. And and that in itself is is pretty standard. However, I have to say that while uh, the VR gear does not stand up to Oculus in terms of like the quality, the uh, experience itself is fantastic. I mean, I I call them the VR giggles because I, I put the headset on and then the um, the main menu for the VR gear comes up and it's basically you sitting in a virtual living room looking at your television, which has, you know, movies and videos and games on it. And you can actually look around the room at, you know, your fish tank behind you or something like that. Uh, so that was pretty cool. So we started the game and, uh, 
it, it's kind of neat because you see the the ore ship, the mining ship that you're defending, flying towards you. Except that as you're flying through it, you can actually look around at the ship in full 360, up, down, all the way around. It's it's very cool. Like the immersion is is definitely there. So. Uh, in terms of graphics, uh, it, it's about what you would expect from a phone game. I mean, it, it's 3D, um, but it's it's fairly low uh, low resolution models and whatnot. But you know, I, I have to say that even though the game is kind of short, I think it's only about 20 minutes or 20 20 levels, and I think they're probably about three minutes each. So you know, it's it's still fairly short. Um, what it does prove is that you can make a really solid, straightforward VR game for a cell phone, no less. That is very fun and very cool, and uh, <clears throat> it, it, it's fun to play. You know, like I said, nothing revolutionary, but it does show that the VR gear works, that VR is very fun, and that you can actually put together a, a pretty cool game. You know, based around even less expensive uh, VR technology like the VR, uh, you know, VR gear for Samsung. That's that's pretty good. What was the price point on it? Um, the phone, I'm not sure. I think it's a free upgrade, but uh, the gear itself is 100 bucks or 99 dollars. So it's it's definitely affordable if you have a Samsung phone. And you know, like I said, the screen, while it's not the perfect, you know, OLED, you know, Oculus Rift, the resolution is actually pretty good. And I didn't find myself, you know, getting sick from the screen door effect or anything like that so you know it, it definitely works it's comfortable to wear um and it does a lot more than just games i mean it's it's got a lot of cool features of it oh, that's cool what are the, do you know if there's any other games that are vr supported for it um i don't know what other games i only played with it for probably about 15 20 minutes last night i'll, I'll probably pick it up again tonight or something it's, like i said it's my brother's phone so uh <laughs> i tried to steal it from him too long but uh, in terms of other stuff, there's like just like free videos in the store, and it's they're 360 videos. And so, for example, um, it's a video of as if you were Rey from Star Wars riding on her little speeder, and you're going through Jakku over the the desert sands around um, a crashed ship, and you can actually look around as if you're on the speeder. So you can look behind you and look at this guy chasing you and stuff and look up and, you know, it's, it's truly immersive. Like it's, it's very cool. Like, um, we had my dad try it and, uh, he puts it on and I said, well, he goes, well, that's, that's pretty close. And I look around, he goes, Whoa, you know, like people who haven't experienced VR firsthand, you know, it's, it's really a shock on how responsive and how immersive it actually feels when you're, you're playing around with it. So, you know, it, I have to say that you know people are, are naysayers for VR tech, and but honestly, I think that this kind of um, method for delivering media is going to explode, especially as more affordable options are coming out, like the VR gear and and uh, and whatnot, because it's really cool. Like I think GoPro has this. 360 camera and so another video i was looking at was basically a guy surfing and he's holding the stick or whatever but you you're basically in perspective of whatever's on the end of the stick but you can look around full 360 as he's going through waves and up on the beach and whatnot it's 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 freaking cool and unfortunately it's something that you can't really appreciate until you actually try it yourself but i i have to say that you know it, it definitely works and it's really really fun that's very cool uh, any other thoughts on this, guys? Any questions in the room? Well, the uh, the, the point you brought up about the uh, like the the 360 video, uh, I don't think we'll we won't really see much of an emergence until like light field technology takes off with that. 
um, with like the Lytro cameras where you can uh, record all data points of light within a, an area and then you can recreate that in a computer so that people can actually move their heads around within a scene rather um, than just being static looking at a 360 view. Well, this was a video where you could actually rotate and look in all directions as the video was running live. Well, I mean, yeah, you can you can look around, but like actually with like with the the earlier Oculuses and stuff where you could move forward in a scene and oh, like realistically sense that depth of uh, presence moving towards your face. Yeah, that, that's fair. This is a, a static point that you were uh, observing from, but uh, yeah, no, I think that what you're describing is probably still a bit off, but you know, it, it's definitely getting there. You know, it's, it's shocking how cool the tech is. I mean, like yeah. I said, with oh, yeah. uh, this GoPro thing, the guy's holding the stick, right? Except that when you look at his arm, it's actually, um, it's, somehow pieced in what's behind his arm so you don't actually see the stick he's holding on to so you really mm -hmm. truly have a full range of, of, of feel of vision it's that it's not um blocked by the medium that's actually holding up the camera i don't even know what they do to make that happen but it's it's very very cool right so there's like a lot of demos at ces um showing off these uh new uh, 360 experiences i mean there's obviously the uh they were highlighting Naughty America, like all the adult content that's now coming out, which seems like that's going to be like a really big lurking draw for a lot of VR tech. That, the, there were in the initial stages, a lot of those that there was uh, two, three articles I've seen that were pretty well thought out. They basically said that um, nobody will talk. Nobody talks about it too much in the, you know, in the industry and stuff. It's, but the money that they expect to get from, from that like sort of audience they think will actually be a pretty big boon in the kind of the initial uh, sort of widespread forays of VR tech because uh, they're going to spend money on it. Though, uh, and I, I will, I actually read this, an article about this. They actually, um, one of the challenges though is that they have to, is um, they can't have a lot of movement in those scenes because of the same reason that they, you know, kind of VR works best if you're sitting in a chair. Um, they, for the same reason, they don't think uh, FPSs will work too well in VR. Um, I guess there's a lot of limitations on what how they structure um, that sort of film as well. Yeah, I'm thinking that, that pretty sure that was a, like a kink.com article or something like that that they were talking about their process to trying to figure this out. Yeah, might very might very well have been. Now I did read somewhere. I I for the life of me I can't remember, but it, it kind of struck me. Um, Kind of echoing back to something Zell said, it was a it it appeared to be a shooter game uh, for for FPS. I, I it wasn't an Oculus, so I assume it was probably one of the one of, one of the multitude of other offerings coming out. But I it just stuck in my mind because it was a uh, a VR shooter game. So it'll be kind of interesting to see the first kind of shots at that also in terms of that genre. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that was like an on rails experience, though. It might, it might well have been, you know, probably a gun jack esque type thing. I suspect, but which I guess is more of like a turret game, right, Pogi? Yeah, it's it's you're sitting in basically a turret, and it's. I have to comment on the psychological effect of, of VR because you basically start off and you climb into your chair, 
and then this turret's like on a rail and it pushes out over the edge of the ship over a planet because you're now going to defend against these uh, drones coming at you. And then your character reaches up and grabs the handles for the uh, the turret in placement and kind of pulls them down into position. I found myself actually reaching up to match the motion to pull the, the, the handles down. And then as I go over the planet, I, I was leaning forward in my chair to look down at the planet. It was It's very, very cool. You, you almost kind of almost mimic your character because it's, it really does suck you into the experience. That's, that's what a lot of people have uh, got their hands and face on the Oculus have told me that they, it's it, 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 the thing that Oculus, whatever, whatever else magic that they've done on the little techno wizardry part, whatever they've done, right. Is it is basically incredibly intuitive. That's, that was the kind of the, the big word that most people I've, I've talked to you that, that's physically kind of tried it out for a while. Uh, and they even like, even the little, I think it's called Oculus touch, the little, I guess, power discs that you wear around your hands to, to do a lot of the manual stuff. They said that it, it looks very odd when you see it with your eyes and you're basically holding these sort of plastic grips with rings around them. Uh, but when you're actually using them and moving your hands around and manipulating controls with your hands that way, it is incredibly intuitive. Uh, and everybody that I've talked to said that, that they were at least that well the, when i say everybody i'm talking a grand total of two people by the way um the two people i've known that have actually laid hands on the oculus touch and used it their comment was that um it, it was that component of it was probably as impressive as the visual sort of uh immersion that you get from the headset you know th- that they work that well so well, I, so i'm kind of keen on it it looks odd, but I mean, it's one of those things like when the Wii first came out, everyone looked at the Wiimote thing, you know, with its whole remote plus nunchuck and a cable between them and said, that is the weirdest looking thing that I've ever seen. But when you actually sit down and use it, it's incredibly well designed um, so and, and how here, that it works. Here's here's where I go back to, like, you know, it's no, no, no surprise that Zell and I come from different parts of the world. My part of my part of the world, it's basically it is better to be dead and cool than alive and uncool. And if you were to get caught playing a Wii, that would be uncool. Uh, the, the, <laughs> I think I think one of the reasons that it works is that because you've got the you know you've got the Oculus headset on, everything meshes very well. And you, you can't up, see how embarrassing yeah, you, you look. You don't see how, how goofy you are. With the Wii, <laughs> there's nothing you can do but look like a douchebag. I mean, that that is it. That is what it is. Now, that being said, I freely admit that I've, I've known a lot of people that have thoroughly enjoyed some Wii games. And they apparently, like, I've, I've never personally played it because that would be uncool. But uh, my understanding is that, that some of them are quite good. And they, they did a fairly decent job at trying to uh, make the hardware work. All right, so I do have a question, guys. Anybody going to rush out and buy the Oculus setup for, I think, what, 6 I was going to buy it. I told everyone I was going to buy it, and then I saw the price tag, and I said I'd wait. Um, what is just, an acceptable price point? I'm, I'm asking just I, a general question. What's I an acceptable price point? I would, you know, I, I would have dropped 400 easily. Um, if it was 450 maybe I, I would have gone for it. Um, I think, to me, the, the biggest thing is... Um, you know, I understand they the the Palmer loosely guy or whatever who who uh, runs the company. He's like, well, we're practically subsidizing this. It's actually you know over six hundred dollars worth of hardware, um, 
which I understand and I sympathize with. But I and I think that that's how he's looking at it. He's looking at it. We have to provide the best experience. This is how much the best experience costs. But what I look at it is what am I going to get for that $600? I spend a lot of money. I spend a lot of money in ways I shouldn't. But I don't think I'm going to get $600 worth of enjoyment out of the Oculus Rift and Eve Valkyrie and the one other game that comes packed in there. I'm not seeing that value for me at this point that says it's worth me going out and buying it. I think in a year it's going to drop in $200. Well, Um, let me me put it this way. Um, The PlayStation 4 that I, I got for Christmas, uh, a, you know, AKA Thanksgiving slash early J mass was, it was the one terabyte, uh, kind of limited edition. It's the one terabyte model. It was about four seventy five, I think something like right that, something like that at GameStop. So off the, off the top of my head, I could easily see tacking at least $100 onto the top of the cost of a brand new one terabyte PlayStation 4 for something like the Oculus, you know, just conceptually. So that brings it up to about $575. So I, I, would, I was thinking that probably my upper end limit would be about $550, $600 for it. But the flip side is kind of what you said is there's not like a catalog of games like you walk into with like a PlayStation 4 or an Xbox One. Um, I, I obviously it's over over time the cost will go down. However, um, it you know I guess I guess it's one of those that conceptually do you want to be do you want to be in on the you know kind of an early adopter kind of thing or. It's just hard to say. It's a value judgment, but like I said, just for perspective, four seventy-five for a new PlayStation Four, one terabyte. Um, I, I I wouldn't have spent four hundred and seventy-five on a new PS Four. So, <laughs> well, that's fair enough. Uh, but but you've got how many computers? We're not going to talk about that. Yeah. Right. Okay. <laughs> so, it, but anyway, but like, it's just in terms of general value for like a gaming console, which is effectively what it is. I mean, if but it's you not. Call, it, it's you have to bear in mind. The Oculus Rift is not a gaming console. It doesn't. It's not so. It's not sufficient on its own. You have to have my computer, which I built this this last year, to pretty much the highest end specs in money that I'm willing to spend on building a computer, which is pretty high, and it barely meets the minimum system requirements for an Oculus Rift. Well, then, what would you call barely. an Oculus Rift? It's a screen. It's like a computer monitor. A right, computer that offers but, unique experience. Right, but I mean, but I mean, the point is, is you can't compare it to a game console because you have to have a computer to power it and a pretty high-end one that most people don't have. And even for me having one, I'm going to be talking about the the bargain basement of what it offers. Okay. Well, that's I mean, fair. And, and the other thing that, that sticks out at me is that there's two or three other VR experience devices coming out in the next year or two, and we don't know where they'll be priced, and we don't know where the compatibility will be. A lot of games have said, you know, we're going to support Oculus Rift, and then there are games that are going to support other other machines. There's no standard for how VR is presented um, between these devices. There, so there's no idea where compatibility is going to sit in a year or two. So I mean, you you just don't know. And in addition to that, um, I guess he said that they expect the the lifetime of this version to be between that of a mobile phone, which is two years, or a console, which is six or seven. But he said, but strongly leaning towards the length of a mobile phone. So two or three years. It's going to be obsolete, um, and it's a hefty cost for a device that's 
I'm not going to do be doing all of my gaming on it. If I was going to be ga- this was going to be my primary gaming device, okay. I mean, most people who buy a PS4, I, that's going to be the main method that they do video gaming. This is going to be, you know, the VR tends to be shorter term experiences. There's a much more limited selection of games right now. Um, I just, I don't feel like the value is there. That's fair. And I think that I, you know, they're they're out. I I I would actually, if they put the DK two up for sale right now, I'd buy one. I wish I had. Um, I think we already missed that early adopter stage. I think the early adopter stage is the people who got in at the, you know, for the DK twos. And I think that their huge mistake was expecting that um, the consumer version could be more expensive than what the devs paid. Um, I I I get that they have this whole concept. We need to provide the best experience, but. No consumer device is the best possible experience. There's no such thing. You set a consumer device is here's the price point that that consumers will pay for this, and here's the what we can deliver for it. And I I think that that's a a big mistake that they made. That they thought that providing a six hundred dollar device would be the would as the only option would really appeal to consumers. Yeah, if they had offered a a cheaper, lower grade quality one for a more affordable price, I would have jumped all over it. But uh, like you said, is considering how new the tech is, going you know balls to the walls at the you know, top price point immediately is is pretty risky. And I I certainly bailed ship as soon as I saw that that price point. And so few people. I mean, we're actually we've tried VR devices. We're we're in a minority. There's so many of their potential customers have never don't even know what VR feels like. So to think that they would then jump to that kind of cost, I I, I think it's insane. I think that uh, I think they may have sabotaged VR as an industry. Um, I'm really worried about CCP with regards to that. Um, I mean, there was a, there was a tweet. I, there, Hilmar had tweeted out an article that I've seen online, something like. You know, when you combine the cost of the PC probably being over, a th- well, at least being over $1,000, someone had written an article like, why everyone will pay over $1,500 to get VR. And I just looked at it, and I'm like, Omar, nobody nobody bought, wanted $1,000 jeans either. Every, sometimes I get this impression from Hilmar that he doesn't understand the, the, the real world of cost that the rest of us live in. I, I don't know. It just, it felt kind of insensitive. Or you're you're talking about the the dude that is basically responsible for a corporate entity that I want to say is somewhat what like twelve percent of Iceland's total economy. Mm-hmm. Like that dude's got mounds of cash. He spends rolling around in like Scrooge McDuck, you know, doing pounds of hookers. And he's like, and he's like, of course you'd spend fifteen hundred dollars on VR. Why wouldn't you? He's probably got six of them at home. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. It's. It's one of those where it's kind of, it's, I think because it is, I, you know, I don't want to use the word game, you know, it's like not game change. I mean, I don't want to use the term game changer necessarily because it's, you know, it's a bit of a pun, but it's, I mean, it, if it is done well, let me put it this way. And by all reports, it generally is. Um, if the hardware, if everything works, they're, they're going to figure out a way to sell more of these, get them get them out there, distribute them further, do something else with the price point. If it works and it is received very, very well, if the quality is high enough, it will not go away. What kills products like this is not necessarily the the overall price point. It is, it costs a lot and it doesn't work. But if it actually delivers what it, what they claim it does and people feel that 
the experience is different enough and changing and like you know, quote unquote game changing enough, um, there will be people will figure out a way to continue to sell this product uh, and probably make money at it. I suspect because of the stuff. Like, let me put it this way: the other thing that you got to realize that a lot of people, well, some people may or may not know. Do you believe that that the Oculus technology, their sole source of income is coming from people buying it to play Valkyrie or some other game or do the little toy box experience and stuff inside of it? Or do you think that there is a fairly sizable percentage of their income that actually comes from other means like technology spinoffs or other contracts that, that their hardware supports? Oh, sure. I mean, I, they're... It's one of those things, one of the things that I think they can directly get a lot of licensing for down the road. And I mean, there's definitely, there's definitely industries where the highest end technology will totally sell at whatever price. Um, my, uh, my local community college is also a police academy and I've actually um, gotten a chance to see what they use for, uh, what the police currently use as simulators. Um, and police simulators are effectively, um, you know, eight by eight rooms with a big giant screen. Um, and some of them are like I think they're some of them you know are, are you know curved. Some go 360 degrees around you, whatever. But you're still standing in a room staring at a 2D screen at some at some form. And I'm sure that that sort of thing to do is going to someday be Oculus or you know other VR device powered. Probably already that. is in some circles. I would tell you that. <laughs> um, yeah, I, and and that's a good point. I mean, like for for example. Um, Organizations that I used to be involved in, they they had a quite a few Oculus dev kits, and they were working on any number of different custom applications, not unlike what you just described, or and some other ones that were pretty pretty novel. So I, I think that I think the fact that they can put it out and they can basically mainstream a technology that does this in and of itself is going to lead them down to so many different roads that they're probably going to be okay, and eventually it'll end up being a uh, you know, eventually it will it will be quote unquote mass market. You know, right now I would say it's definitely in that sort of luxury band or close to it. Uh, for all the reasons that I think you very logically and accurately described. However, if the product is good enough and the sub, you know the subjective reporting that we that we've generally been getting is that it is, it's it's not going away. It's not gonna it's not gonna be like you know like you know, the, the laser disc that was the size of like your, your freaking wax album that you played on your turntable, you know, it's going to actually uh, stick around for, for a while and continue to get refined. You know, Personally, oh, go ahead, babe. Well, it, I, I just wanted to go back on the, the um, money talk from a little bit earlier. How much are people going to be paying? Do you think to be able to run the Oculus, those that want to buy it um, on their computer? Because it's two compu- it's two screens, right? For each eye, they have to run on what, like ninety uh, FPS. So you're what, like one hundred eighty FPS is what your computer has to be able to do, uh, if I'm understanding it correctly. So, like, at, how much would that cost? Eight hundred to sixteen hundred is like the Holy average. Shit. You can actually so, go onto Oculus's website and download a. Uh, Download a little uh, tool, and it'll tell you if your computer is compatible or up to spec, and then kindly offer you options to purchase an Oculus-ready PC if you go to their website. I mean, the oh. rendering tech is improving, too, like where NVIDIA is working on technology that only 
renders like the scene specific to like where you're looking at the time and then blurs everything else around it. Yeah, I feel that makes it from the leg. But I mean I'm I'm curious if at all like a like a PC bong culture will pick up here in America. Mm, that's that could be interesting. Because I mean with my experience over in um overseas in South Korea there in Seoul, um there there are so many so many PC bong rooms like where people can just go in and um it's like a like a PC cafe where you go in and pay money by the hour to to use a like a very high end system. I mean, I haven't seen that sort of thing in the U.S. in in ages. I I know there's a few of them that exist, but I remember back, you know, there used to be some some arcades that had you know kind of PC game setups and um kind of that weird like dome audio thing over your head so that you you could yeah. hear it at full volume, but you stepped one foot out of that cone and it was like barely audible at all um i've seen some really cool stuff like that back in the day i haven't seen anyone talk about doing that but like i could definitely see it for oculus type devices um i i not to go too far back again to it but um the demos that uh ccp had at FanFest, i think you would have to do anything like that because it required you know eight feet of space and a tether above your head to hold, so that you had you know free motion while wearing your oculus you know yeah, and that I thought was really cool that setup, but you know, it was uh, above and beyond what most people would be able to set up in their houses. Um, right, and and I think to that degree, that would definitely work in some sort of a cafe setting. Because I mean, you got stuff like uh, the Vive coming out too, maybe like end of quarter one, quarter two of this year. Um, and you just you wonder like the price isn't it? It might be comparable, might not. But the the room setup you have to have for something like that, like not everybody can do that. All right. So that, like I said, that was a very. Uh, I think it was pretty good, pretty good chat about some of the interesting technology that we got hitting this. And and as gamers, we're all kind of kind of amped up about it. It. I I think it's one of those where anybody that gets their hands on it. Well, let me put it this way: anybody that we've talked to that gets their hands on on Valkyrie, and I think uh, I think Zell, you have as well. It, it's pretty damn impressive, and and I think if that is that is probably going to be the shape of things in the future, in some form or fashion. Uh, but how we get there is very unclear. I I think what we're first what we're seeing now is uh, the technology is actually there to deliver that kind of immersive sort of. Uh, you know, virtual environment or augmented environment. And really it's just, you know, it's going to be an interesting path to see how it becomes more of a mainstream activity. So I'm, I'm kind of okay with just kind of seeing how it goes. And like I said, if I ever had, if I, if I suddenly have a couple grand drop in my, drop in my wallet that I'm not anticipating, I would quite, you know, I'd be, I'd be very interested in getting an Oculus Rift, but until then, PlayStation 4 and a 70-inch, you know, plasma screen TV, pretty fucking good. And I'm okay with that. So with that being said, what I would like to do is kind of transition over to uh, one of our next topics, uh, just in the interest of time. Uh, so some of the other things that we've been kind of messing around with here recently on the show, like you guys heard, we had a um, old buddy Saberwing from War Gaming America on and uh, talked a little bit about World of Tanks coming to you, the PlayStation 4. Uh, and th- this weekend, they've had their beta number two, their last beta. Uh, they they ran the last one in December. This, uh, all intents and purposes, is that this is the last round of uh, beta that they're going to go through. And I would tell you, it's 
it, if it's in beta, I can't tell you what they're going to polish because it's pretty damn good. Uh, and then they'll, a lot of anticipation right now is that they'll probably go live with the game by the end of the month uh, or very, very early in February, rather. Uh, so just a couple of general observations. World of Tanks, we, we had a whole show dedicated to it, so I don't want to go into it much. It sounds It is exactly what it is, what it sounds like. It is all vehicle combat. Uh, it's definitely a combined arms feel when you get different flavors of tanks and combat vehicles, artillery, all kind of different mechanics in there. Uh, the game is generally hallmarked uh, in the in the PlayStation version, and it is very very consistent across the Xbox consoles and the uh, and the PC. And it is pretty easy to figure out how to actually drive it around and tank and shoot stuff, you know, to actually get in the game. I, I would, I would offer for those of you in the room, since we've, we've all jumped into a tank and dust at some point. Um, I, I found it to be much, much more intuitive and easier to, to actually do fighting in the vehicle than you did in dust. Now I acknowledge that dust was, had a lot of other things it was trying to be, and this is a much more, um, focused and crafted vehicle combat game. Uh, but the game is very intuitive to play. It picks up really quick. Uh, and then once you get past that first layer, it is an incredibly deep and complex game in terms of how you set up different things, manage equipment, manage crews, uh, manage your technology trees and things of that nature. The maps are, are absolutely awesome. Um, we played like Pokey and I were, were playing earlier with a couple guys and uh, there's a there's a map called Scorpion Pass. It's a PlayStation 4 exclusive map. It's it is twice the size of any other map in World of Tanks, and they they haven't yet figured out how to get the Xbox to run it. By the way, that was I found that on the forums here just a little while ago from the uh, wargaming folks. Uh, it is an absolutely gorgeous map, huge like a kind of a desert Southwest scene, uh, a lot of incredible micro terrain in it, a lot of incredible. Uh, a really well-crafted level in terms of just level design and how the tanks fight, what kind of tanks they use on there. So all in all, I, I've got to, I've got to give them somewhere around a nine out of 10 for my read on world of tanks for PlayStation four, uh, very, very large online gaming community for it, big into esports, uh, And I think it's going to do very well on the PlayStation four. Uh, those are kind of my general observations. I've got a few things I'll nitpick on it here in a little bit, but Pokey, I was wondering if you kind of give the folks your, your sort of general thoughts on it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, like you said, the game is top-notch quality. It's it's just very solid. You can tell it's been around for a while, and they've had lots of time to polish things and, and get them working and, and balanced and designed like they need to be. So in, in that regards, the game is extremely high quality. Um, I will say that it is also very unforgiving. Um, it's very skill-based. I didn't really feel that the microtransactions were paid to win by any means, at least at the levels I was playing at. But you kind of got to learn what you're doing because you get wrecked pretty quick early on. Um, it has a lot to do with positioning and making sure you understand your vehicle and how to angle it and also kind of getting a feel for which type of tank works well for you because there's five different types and then there's the upwards of 10 tiers. And uh, I found that even though I particularly liked a certain type of tank in one tier, I didn't like the one that was in the next tier because they are um, fairly different. They, they do play some, somewhat differently depending on what their specs are. So uh, for people picking it up, 
I suggest you try sticking with it for a couple days. It's going to take a while to get used to, but it is a very high-quality game. Uh, it is enjoyable when you're successful, and it's frustrating when you're not, but, you know, you're you're probably dust player, so you you understand that. But, yeah, give it a shot. Uh, it, it's it's quite good. Just you know, you gotta gotta get a feel for it. I'm I'm even I myself I was struggling earlier today and kind of getting my ass kicked. But uh, gonna play some more tonight, and I'm, I'll certainly pick it up when it's released again because it's it's free to play. So there's really no reason not to try it out. So uh, yeah, give it a shot. Yep, and I've got a just a couple a couple general general things that they're out. They've actually started some of the like uh, the bundles or the packs that you can get for it. And the way, the way it works, it is a free-to-play game. And, and I would tell you that, uh, this is my personal opinion, this is the most polished free-to-play game I think I've ever laid my eyes on. Like the audio is absolutely wicked good. Uh, the visuals, the graphics are well are, are just stunning. Uh, it, they definitely take advantage of the, of the PlayStation 4's capacity. Um the, and the game handles well. So kind of the big three things that you look for is like, how does it play physically? You know, like how does it, how does it feel to play? How does it look and how does it sound kind of thing? Uh, it's, it's, you know, crushing it on all three. I, that's my opinion. Um, I, I would, I would challenge anybody to say it's not good. Let me, let me put it that way. Um, they, they do sell some bundles, but you know, kind of the way their monetization works. We talked a little bit about this with Saber Ring, but basically you, you have kind of the in-game currency of silver, then you have gold, you know, that you can purchase with real money, uh, which you do any number of different things with. You get premium time, which basically means you, you earn, it's like kind of like a booster in dust. You know, you get a little bit, you get extra XP for your matches. Um, everything is active uh, experience. So there's no passive like you have in Eve or Dust. It's all active. So if you wanna if you wanna get better in your in a given tank line, a line being a a by country by category line of tanks, uh, of which there could be on the upwards of you know twelve or twenty or something like I think well twelve or fifteen rather, um, it, it's playing in that in that line you know and getting better with that that role so to speak. Um, you you can purchase premium tanks, which are not really any better than anything else in the game. They're, they're, they're truly side grades, not, not uh, upgrades. Uh, but they do give you the, a unique advantage in terms of XP or silver making or, you know, some other perk like that. Uh, they're generally used to train crews and, you know, that kind of thing. Uh, and some of them are pretty cool. And often they have like a neat skin to them or there's a really cool backstory to them. They're like, hey, this was a prototype. They only made like three ever back in 1941. Uh, and it's, it, it is a pretty cool thing. So that's really where they make it between the premium time, the premium tanks. And there's a, re- I don't know if you played around with Pokey, but there's, when you get into the looking at the, the, um, the customization of the tanks, like the, uh, you can, trick these things out pretty well, like visually, like all, like uh, there's a ton of different graphics and stickers and camos that you can put on the different tanks and stuff. And you can either pay silver for like a week or a month's worth of, um, of the stuff, or you can pay for it permanently in gold. Like you always have the, the camo pattern. You always have the, you know, the stickers, the labels or the, the graphics that go on your tanks, that, that kind of stuff you can pay and pay for in gold. Um, and the interesting thing is what they're really good about is a lot of things you can actually pay for in silver at a fairly steep rate, but 
you know, you don't necessarily have to have, have gold for everything. You could buy premium ammo with silver, but you can, the ammo you buy with gold, it can be a little, or is a little bit better, but frankly, you don't have to do that to be uh, competitive. So that that's kind of their pricing structure. They've got four bundles out right now on the PlayStation, uh, like kind of their founders packs, like level one through four. And you, you get a premium tank or two, you get, you get a bunch of silver and some premium time, uh, which is a really good little starter starter setup uh, you know, for somebody to kind of get into. And I think the, let's see, 20, 34, uh, the, the cheap one is the, the level one pack is like, I think 20 bucks or so. You get a free tank, you get, uh, it's, it's like, it's almost, it'd be, it'd be kind of like a blueprint tank, quote unquote, in, in sort of CCP parlance. So you keep the tank forever. It, it's generally going to be something you'll play with for a while. Um, and it never, and the way they do matchmaking, because it's sort of by groups, by tiers, like uh, you'll never not need that tank. You know, you'll never need to sell that tank, nor would you want to. So you get some advantages there. It's not bad. Tier two, you get two tanks. Uh, the second one you get this thing called a T-3488. It's a long story short. It's one of those sort of uh, semi-legendary tanks that were floating around in World War II. There were very, very few of them, uh, and it's it's really, really cool. It's very rare also. In fact, all the Xbox players are, are whinging on about how the PlayStation 4 players get get that specific tank, and they didn't. It's it's kind of cool. Uh, so each each time you go up in a bundle pack, you get more you, – you get like an extra tank. So you can get – I think the Tier 4, you end up getting five premium tanks – which is pretty cool because it's multiple countries and different weight classes and styles, uh, like 30 days of premium time and a whole bunch of silver, that kind of thing. Now, just for playing the beta, you got two actual PlayStation exclusives. You get one called a Locust. It's like this super chrome, like Mad Max style, uh, War Boys-esque sort of little racy tank. It's wicked fast. Uh, if you play with any of the other tanks and you play with the Locust, it'll freak you out how fast it is. And then you get another one. It's kind of a blue camo PlayStation uh, PlayStation exclusive. So you can go out there and spend some money on this all the way from 20 up to like 130 bucks, I think, for the big pack. So it's, it's kind of out there. Um, they are introducing clans. I think that's the... One of the features that will go live when you when the game goes full on is like the full clan support thing. They did have platoon support on, which is pretty cool for for matchmaking and how you want to get you and your friends in the game. It's pretty cool. Um, they do integrate it very well with the PlayStation 4 social functions, which I think is a, a big bonus. And and one of the things that they, they kind of don't have, that, well, there's two things that they don't have that I kind of wish they did. Number one is actually very simple. When you're playing multiplayer and you're playing solo, there's no, not that I, or at least I haven't found it, a way to mute everybody else's talking. Like, so you, you, you will hear radio chatter even if you didn't want to. Uh, so that, that would be one thing. And that's kind of small ball stuff. Part two is if they do have the full clan support when this thing goes live, it would be really, really cool if at some point in the near future they got the um, sort of the campaign level knocked out and that's the part that saber room was kind of talking about in world of tanks the pc version there's actually a very a persistent land campaign kind of like pc and dust or or sov and in, in eve where groups like very 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 organized folks uh, are battling back and forth for terrain and land and, and it's kind of a perpetual war 
uh, and that is a that's a very big deal in the PCs on the actual PC computer world of tanks. And if they can ever bring that into the console version, I think that'd be an absolutely indispensable way to build player community. So those are my general thoughts on on uh, World of Tanks for the PC, PS4. Uh, Pokey, any any parting shots from you on on place on the PlayStation 4 World of Tanks? Uh, on the topic of monetization, I have to say that I at no point felt pressured into buying uh, the premium currency, which is. Uh, an issue in some other games, but yeah, no, I, I felt like I was able to have a very good and fulfilling uh, gaming experience without the premium stuff. And you know, the, the premium tanks are nice, but I didn't feel like, oh god, if I only had that, my life would be so much easier. So in that regard, I give them props; they really kind of nailed it in that regard. Um, but yeah, no, like, like I said, just give it a shot, guys. It's it's free. It's certainly worth picking up and trying for a few days. It's, it's a really high-quality game, and it may not be your cup of tea, but uh, you might be surprised, so give it a shot. Yep, yep, absolutely. In fact, I was just doing a quick check when you said that, Pokey. Um, a lot of the stats for the premium tanks, they are not the best. Like, if you if you got, like, Tank X, um and you worked your way through the tech tree, and then you fully maxed it out and fully researched it, um, all the different packages you can research. Usually the premium tank is slightly less uh, potent than that, than the, than the highest end that you could tech research. But the benefits you get are really in the crew training and the, and the silver produ- production. So that, so just a thought. Uh, and like I said, one of the cool things is that Wargaming has figured out they've are, they're way past the fucking, you know, balancing stage. They've kind of got this thing figured out. So, um, I think we've been on the air for about 55 minutes. Uh, so what we would like to do is uh, any saved thoughts or saved rounds from everybody, uh, any last minute topics before we kind of move into uh, shout outs for the team? Um, I guess one thing, um, uh, today marks the uh, third year anniversary of Dust Beta servers migrating to Tranquility. Ooh, well done. Happy birthday, Mercs. Woohoo. It's just depressing, <laughs> is what it is. <laughs> yeah. We've been doing this shit for how many years? <laughs> oh, man. You, you, know what's, you know what I find is interesting about it is, uh, you, you know, that the, like, the, there, there's a part of me that's like, you know, it's like a zombie. Like, it just won't, you know, it's not dying, but it ain't living. And so you're kind of wondering, you, it makes you wonder, like, how you know, there's a lot of games out there that are kind of like this, that are just hanging on with this, like, real little bitty, little bitty sort of like paper thin group of people that are hardcore and keeping it just barely afloat. Um, it, it, it is pretty interesting. I think, I think at some point, if you're kind of a dedicated gamer, you will eventually, um, you will eventually find a game like that that you love, and there's like a bunch of guys you play with that they love, but you're like the only ones. <laughs> It's kind of like a, an old game called Meridian 59. It's like this dedicated group of people that stuck around since 1996. It's like I think it was like one of the first MMOs. Wow. Oh God, it's just kind of depressing now. But they've stuck with it. They have stuck yeah. with it. Well, there there were some there are some games out there that are that that get like that. Um, that just have sort of hardcore fan base, but it doesn't really go anywhere. And, 
mean, occasionally there's a few, there, you know, there's a few anecdotes where, you know, the game dies and then actually players buy it or they, they release the game full, you know, free to the players and all the code. And then people sort of organically keep it alive on the net. There's a few games like that that are out there. Mm-hmm. I'll tell you what, you know, this, this would be a pretty cool, maybe, um, maybe next week. I'll tell you what, let's do this. So uh, this week, so Jadik, you're, you're more than welcome bait, you know, as always you work here, you have to kind of be here, you know, but Jadik, if you want to come back on like next week or something like that, I'll tell you what, let's do. Let's, let's all of us here do a little Google food this week and find a couple zombie games that we can talk about. Uh, it should be pretty, should be pretty interesting. Sounds good. All right. That sounds like a win. So let, let's go ahead and hop into shout outs, boys. Uh, we will start with the top of the list as usual. I say that as usual, it's just, it's easy for me to read from top to bottom. So I'm going to start with the admin, AKA Sarizel. Um, my shout out. Um, did I shout out rocket league last week? I had I fun with so. it. You mentioned it. Okay. I've been having fun with it. Um, someone admitted, made me admit that it's basically soccer with cars, but it's fun. Um, and that's, that's really all I have to say. Fair point. Okay. Bait. I'd like to give a shout out to the nice, cool Florida weather, which allowed me to sit outside and enjoy the the cold on the patio and do the podcast. So that was cool. Uh, shout out to Microsoft for putting out a solid console, that being the Xbox One. I quite enjoy it. Quite enjoying World of Tanks on it. And, uh, <laughs> and sorry, enjoying, sorry. Uh, no, you're fine. And enjoying uh, a little bit of Warframe on it when I can connect to the damn server. Um, oh, and EVE Online. That's fun. People play EVE Online? I guess. Jack plays with me. Incor yep. plays with me. It's really fun. We got a war deck today. <laughs> Alrighty. Um, okay. So, Jedek? Alright. I'd like to give a shout out to the future Powerball winner. After taxes, please buy us all VR rigs. And their shit. <laughs> <laughs> Alright. Pokey? Uh, I'll give a shout out to everyone who has submitted voice recordings for my next Eve Phoenix trailer. Uh, Jadik is one of them. He put forth a, a really cool uh, <laughs> performance, so thanks for that, man. Um, but yeah, I'm doing another Eve Phoenix trailer, and I'm taking uh, voice recordings for people reading a, a pre-written script, and I'll be slicing the voices together for the video. And I was going to cut it off tonight, but some setbacks, I couldn't get the video finished in time. So if you are interested, just shoot me an email at pokey.draven at gmail.com, and I will send you the script, and you can send me a voice recording, and we'll get you in the video. And yes, I've offered the I've offered the multiple voices of Jay for this as well. Should <laughs> be good. If I can get some Ric Flair in a in a in a dust video, that'd be the, that'd be pretty bitching. Um, shout outs for tonight. A couple one. Uh, I would like to give a shout out to the Seattle Seahawks playoff winners for this week. Thank you very much. And I'd like to give a shout out to JJ Watt, one of my favorite football players and my kid's favorite football player for the Houston Texans just went down with a surgery after they got absolutely shellacked in their football game this weekend. Uh, so there's a little bit of NFL inject there for everybody. Uh, I would like to uh, let everybody know that uh, I think we're gaming Wargaming America has got a, a pretty pretty legit product. I do like World of Tanks. We'll probably be hearing about it on the show more than I once. I still haven't tried it. I installed it while while Saberwing was on. I haven't actually you, tried it yet. You probably you only got a, probably a couple hours left, or maybe an hour at best left, and then you got to wait till the floor release. The um, I'm, I'm gonna t- I'm gonna reveal this secret to you. I think you might have known this before, but I'm gonna reveal it again. I'm a PC gamer. I don't have a PS4. That's fine. I'm I'm 
I can play. I can. I can play it whenever I want. It's already released. Yeah. How you doing about that Tomb Raider? (laughs) Oh shush! I will. I will stab you. I will stab you. So uh, let's see what else we got. Um, Let's see. Shout it out to them. Shout out to them. I would like to give a shout out to Hairbrain Schemes because I got the first bit of my uh, my swag from supporting their BattleTech game on Kickstarter, uh, which they are definitely the Kickstarter masters. And if anybody wants to, if anybody's a developer out there looking to do some Kickstarter work, please go see Mitch Gittleman over at uh, Hairbrain Schemes. He'll probably be able to coach you in how not to be a dumbass on Kickstarter. Just throwing that out there. Uh, and I'd like to give a shout out to Denny Fleetfoot. Yes, I spend money on games like you spend money on games. We just spend money on different games. Although I, I don't know that I spend as much money as you do, but I spend a lot. So anyway, that's my shout out to, Den- to Denny Fleetfoot. Uh, and I think that's going to bring episode 87 of Biomass to a close. And as we say on this show every week, when we do a show most weeks, good night and good luck.